Well, I think the implication is that we're held within a far broader matrix of interconnected meaning. And there is wisdom and possibly, probably, intention to what is actually unfolding, whether our personalities like it or not. Um, we are involved in a curriculum of spiritual awakening and of development. And the things that happen are our lessons is that instead of looking at everything as good or bad, we might look at it as, what am I learning here? How is this part of my growth? Because one of the real beautiful things is that within tragedy, when we work through it, when we mature, there can be hidden treasures in that, maybe even diamonds. And so that's what I encourage people to take away is that there are other dimensions that we may not know about. There is hidden value in everything. And we need to be open to the mystery of things because if we are, then we can tune into it and partner with it. And that's exactly what John and Paul did to collaborate on some of the most inspired, most influential, and I believe some of the best music ever created is by being able to mature spiritually and to trust life and to be uh, attuned to what the universe might be whispering to us. Turn on your earbuds, relax and listen to the spiritual dimension of the Beatles. Just to reach you, Julia. All right, Eric. Welcome hey, back to the podcast. Here we are again. Here we are again. So today we're going to talk about Julia Lennon. That's it. That's what we're talking about today. Let's why, do it. Why, why are we talking about Julia Lennon? What is, what, <clears throat> what is her significance in the Beatles? Well, her birthday's coming up. Well, that's true. March 12th. March 12th, Julia was born 107 years ago in 1914 in England. And she, um, you know, she was killed by a car uh, crossing the street. This was in uh, 1958 in the summer, in July. July 15th. That's right. I, I, did, was, I did some research today, Eric. I'm prepared. There we <laughs> I'm prepared go. to talk about Julia Lennon. Yeah. So John was um, 17 years old when it happened. Yeah. And I believe uh, that not only was it the defining event of his life, but also probably the most significant uh, event that shaped his career hmm. and his contribution. And I think that, um, you know, the astrology certainly reveals how important his maternal and family issues were to him. And so much of what John um, was reconciling was this issue of death and loss and grief. working it out, you know, through creative catharsis in the Beatles and it was the biggest kind of uh, surprise in many ways is how significant um, his relationship with his mom was and how much it really shaped his life and his, his art. And so um, I ended up dedicating the book to Julia Lennon and Mary McCartney because of their significance. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about it today. Yeah. So why, why did you dedicate the book to Julia Lennon and Mary McCartney? Well, because just this creative process and all the research that I did 
uh, really pointed to their uh, roles, their significance, their contributions in many ways to this story. And the book is The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles, which is a different type of Beatles book. And so if we're looking at the spiritual dimension, that's where Mary and Julia were residing during the 60s. And in the the spirit world. In the spirit world, connecting in with their sons through the veil is really what the research revealed pretty strikingly. And the soul contracts that I believe were going on, um, both had a lot to do. Both dyads, Mary and Paul and John and Julia, having a lot to do with collaboration through writing. Yeah. Um, very profoundly. And Julia's chart is all about that, actually. Um, she didn't get to realize the uh, intentions of her chart because she was killed. Yeah. But maybe she was able to realize that through John is the hypothesis um, that we're going by. Yeah. Because not only is it a writing um, type of intention in Julia's chart, but specifically about um, metaphysical ideas, Speci- uh, you know, about uh, things that are spiritual, uh, things that are um, different perspectives, things that um, are even poetic and um, putting metaphysical ideas into poetry was really what Julia's chart was about. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so let's, let's talk about her chart. And as, as you talk about her chart, because I, I spent the last hour and a half listening to that, that big thick Beatles book tuned in by Mark Lewis. And, and I, I listened to all of the sections about Julia Lennon and Alf Lennon and those early years of John. I, I'd be really interested, since this is fresh in my mind, to hear you talk about her chart and the things that you would expect to see in her life and to see where that matches up against all of these details that I just read about. And then I, and then I also want to I, I wanna go back and talk about the soul contract and, and a little bit about what that means. But maybe let's start with, um, with her chart. Yeah, well, <clears throat> consistent with much of Beatles astrology, uh, that we see everywhere with the principal players and others who are involved in the story. The underlying uh, issue uh, going on in Julia's chart, and this is her moon uh, square Pluto, is there's significant emotional work, uh, wounding, issues, heaviness, psychology goes with Pluto, things that are uh, needing resolution. And Um, the way that I understand Julia's biography was there was a lot of instability. Uh, She got divorced. Um, She had challenges. She didn't. She never got divorced. Oh, not officially, I (laughs) guess. But uh, she was estranged from Al for many years. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was disconnection there. And instability in in her life and she was like john a bit of a wild spirit uh julia was very comedic very engaging at times you know uh even a bit of a loose cannon you know she liked to have a good time and john was the same way and some of this might have been acting out um not really dealing with the emotional issues psychologically and so you know it transforming into behavior routines that might have been acting out to some degree and so both julia and john were learning to uh, be more connected to um, their true emotions and process it and work through it and resolve things of that nature Um, so it's questionable whether or not that ever really unfolded So um, Julie ended up dying before the more mature uh, expression of her chart could really develop. Um, And even her death um, is 
an example of the moon Pluto complex, which runs throughout Beatles astrology, which has to do with um, feelings or issues around death itself. John had a moon Pluto aspect in his chart. Um, It pops up everywhere in Beatles astrology, the death thread we've talked about. So her death was the catalyzing event for the spiritual work to unfold, which in my view did occur, but just not in a conventional way, but yeah. in this metaphysical way. And this well, that's is interesting why- that you, you mentioned conventional and, and non-conventional because that, that was really the, the gist of her personality that I got from Mark Lewis and portrayal of, of her that I think she was the fourth of five girls from this family that really kind of thought of themselves as being better than most of the people around them in Liverpool and certainly better than, than Alf Lennon when the two of them met and started hanging around. Julia, born in March 1914 on the proverbial eve of the Great War, was John's mother. She was given license within the family as the wild one, free-spirited, her notable wit and pranks enjoyed by all. Her father, the girls called him Dada, taught her banjo and she was talented, able to pick up tunes by ear. She was soon plucking and singing along to popular songs of the day, like Girl of My Dreams and Ramona. Julia left school in 1929 and met Alf Lennon soon after taking her first job. He wasn't the kind of young man to object if someone found him funny. Creating an impression was the thing, even if he was being laughed at, which he was. You look silly, were the first words said to him by Julia, naturally drawn to the daft. You look lovely, he replied, and a relationship was born. And that that she as a young girl was was the free spirit, was the wild one that was doing all kinds of things to buck her family's expectations and getting together with, with John's dad, Alf Lennon was one of those things. They got married on a, on a dare. (laughs) Like she, she was, she, she dared him. She said, you're too scared to propose to me. And so he did. And she said, yes. And then she got married. They went and saw a movie. He went back to his house. She went back to her house. <laughs> they weren't even living together. And all of her family's like, what the hell have you done? Why, why are you doing this? And she immediately regretted it because he was gone all the time. Yeah. And so this is the impulsivity. Yeah. Perhaps giving some acting out, some rule breaking. Um, what I found is that in John's uh, astrology with his family stuff, his parents, um, they all share a similar kind of um, wild streak Hmm. and it actually originates it stems from emotional um, volatility and lack of uh, centeredness it's a lot of it is simply acting out um, which is very different than what's going on with paul and mary which is a different set of issues Um, so the, the Lenin astrology uh, is very Uranian or Aquarian to use the astrology language, which can be erratic, chaotic, volatile. And then the transformation of that, the conscious version of Aquarius is brilliance, is metaphysical insight, is revolutionary things, the transformation of culture. And my view is that they did John and Julia matured together spiritually Mm. and their collaborations, as I see it, give the most uh, comprehensive, vast uh, visions of the universe, uh, specifically across the universe. Tomorrow never knows. um, Loosing the sky with diamonds. um, Day in the life, actually. So you're seeing that, that all those songs that, that John wrote in later years after she had died, that she was a co-author or inspired. Well, the way it, the it impacted her chart and her role in what was going on at those times um, with this uh, attunement to the muse. 
seeing how that astrologically was tied in. Um, what was happening with those major works at the peak of the arc in 66 and 67, um, these were the fruits of their um, soul intentions. And the scope of what um, those songs and a couple others uh, were revealing um, through the astrology was pretty far-reaching and epic and multi-layered. And the book illustrates it all, writes it all out. Uh, but I would say that the most breathtaking and brilliant uh, things that are in the whole book are the product of the John Julia collaboration, in my view. And that's yeah. the way that their charts uh, connected together was, believe it or not, this collaboration for writing around metaphysical ideas across the boundary of death. And so uh, to, to me, the, uh, there, there is one song in particular that I, I do want to mention about Julia is Across the Universe. What happened with this song was uncanny. Um, now, when we speak about uh, being inspired, um, you know, you might think of somebody getting a vision, having a feeling, inside, oh yeah. allowing some kind of process to operate through them, some creative process. But the most striking thing here about Across the Universe is actually the possibility that the lyrics of that song were actually channeled, that this is Julia's writing, her poetry. Um, the astrology, when I researched it, was unbelievably uncanny about this, pointing to her specifically as the author, which matches what John has said. And in fact, I bring this quote, it, one, of the, uh, one of the quotes that opens the entire book, I'll read to you right now. Uh, John says about the song, across the universe, he says that the words were purely inspirational and were given to me as boom. I don't own it, you know. It came through like that, is what John says. I don't own it, you know, which is a pretty interesting statement to say. And then the astrology emphatically points to Julia as the author. In fact, if you look at the, the lyrics and you read them, you might have the sensation that this is a different voice than John's other writing. You know, at this time in 1968, he's getting into the White Album. He just did I'm the Walrus in late 67. And other songs too. Hey Bulldog was around the same time as Across the Universe in early 68. And you look at all these other songs he was writing at the time and check out John's voice. He's at this point, stage, he becomes very irreverent. He becomes um, very challenging. He becomes much more liberated, um, subversive. Um, and Across the Universe is this mystical poetry that has a completely different voice. And that's what John was saying. I don't own it, you know. And so that song uh, is really phenomenal. Um, you know, even the lyrics are about sharing consciousness, um, about connecting across the universe that we can intuit, we can hear, we can connect from very far distant uh, reaches is what the song is about. Yeah. And that is what's going on <laughs> is making contact across the universe. And this is the premier Beatles issue that I discovered that's throughout the whole catalog is this whole yearning for reunion. And then it becomes realized it's really beautiful, but then it stretches us to, <laughs> if we don't have already, it stretches us to look at things from a spiritual dimension rather yeah. than uh, a mundane one. 
So, so let's, let's explore that spiritual dimension a little bit, Eric. And, and I, I, I want to better understand your view of a soul and soul contracts, you know, so, so this personality, if, if you're looking at an, an astrology chart or a, a natal chart for Julia, you definitely see the day that she was born. I don't know if the day that they died plays into an astrology chart either, but, but that, but that's kind of like, that's the personality. Like, I, I, I guess I'm wondering what's the relationship between the Julia Lennon that was born on March 12th, 1914 died July 17th or 15th in 58. And the soul <laughs> that was her that's still around in the sixties or something, you know, like how, how do you conceive that, that, that this is the, the personality or the soul? Well, my view is that the soul is the part of us that is immortal. It's energetic. Energy is never created or destroyed. It just transforms. And so we have an energetic connection with the universe. And then we incarnate into physical form, and that is temporary. And that does die. Everything that is material is temporary. And so incarnations are temporary, and it's um, bridging the energy, um, which is the sun, in my view, with the physical, the embodiment, which is the moon. And so there's another theme of the Beatles book is the bridging of heaven to earth, energy to matter, um, the soul with the everyday realm. And so we have a, uh, a part of us that is connected to source. You know, one of the analogies that I really like that I've heard is think about all of existence being fire, uh, oneness, energy. And you can light a candle off of the big oneness, eternal flame. So the soul is what we, is the bridge between the oneness of energy, the eternal flame, and the wax of the candles is analogous to physical incarnation. And then the light is uh, the flame on an individual candle is like the soul. It's lit from oneness. It, it connects in with physical separation. And, um, and we can connect with others at a soul level. We can share flames and we can connect energetically with others and bridging uh, worlds here, bridging the energetic oneness with physical separation. Um, and that's what the reunion is. Uh, bringing heaven to earth, bringing awareness to the unconsciousness, bringing the metaphysical to the physical. Um, to me, that's a, a large part of spiritual awakening. That's a theme of the book and the Beatles contribution, uh, all of that. But does my analogy make sense? Uh, what do you think of that one? Well, I guess when when I hear the analogy of the fire and then that little bit of the flame, I'm I'm wondering which part of that is the Julia Lennon from, from the other side of the veil that is inspiring John Lennon. If, well, if Julia Lennon is only the personality name for the uh, limited incarnation, right? And then her soul, of what exists beyond, uh, is much broader than that. It's connected to the entirety of who she is at a soul level. Um, and so, so the entirety of who she is. So you, you have a friend named uh, Christy who does uh, readings and things with the Akashic record. I've, I've talked with her before and she introduced this concept of an oversoul. The way, the way that she described it was um, like a computer, like think of a computer that's running these different programs and each program on the computer is a life, like a, like a personality life. All, all of those lives that are in that computer on that hard drive or whatever, the hard drive would be considered to be the oversoul. And there's really just an infinite number of lives that this oversoul is running. All right. 
Now you are a human being, but basically you are a spirit or light being here having a human experience. And what we consider the spirit part of you to be is the soul. And the soul is what we would consider to be the immortal part of who you are. Now, you have such a thing called an oversoul. Think of the oversoul like a computer. And it's a computer that has unlimited storage space. And on this computer, you are running many software programs that we call human beings. That are all connected to the same oversoul. We have a portion of us that is constant and immortal. And it's out there, but like God, it's forever growing, learning, and expanding. And it's learning and expanding by having different experiences. And those different experiences are being had by you. Now, there are different versions or humans that are connected to that same oversoul all at the same time. And what we call these different versions is past lives. Or future lives. However, you are you, you've always been you and you've never been anybody else. You've always been in that body that you are in. But there is a portion of you in spirit that is populating a record that we call the Akashic record. I mean, you're populating that, all right? That is the database. And there are different versions of you out there that are also populating this database. Now I need you to really understand though that those are actually other people and they're all having their lives at the same time you're having your life right now. Because time doesn't exist. So what physics is going to prove here real soon and I'm that confident about it that I'm speaking about it on recording is that this is all happening at the same time and that the decisions that you're making in your lifetime now are all actually altering the lifetimes of those other people that are feeding into the database that you're populating, the record. Now, where does the astrology come in? Evolutionary astrology is predicated on the notion that you've lived an infinite number of lifetimes. And that the natal chart, which is a snapshot of the, the planets at the moment of, of your birth, tells every archetypal story that you have ever lived. If you've educated yourself on this science, you can peel back the layers of every lifetime. But we as astrologers are evolving and learning how to do this and teaching each other the different nuances and intricacies of the science. I like that. And, you know, I, I still don't totally understand it. And I, I, I honestly think that all of these things are just symbols that we're using to try to communicate ideas that we really can't possibly understand. So, you know, I, I, I take all of this with a grain of salt, but try to find what, what is it that we all mean behind it? What is it that we're, we're trying to talk about, that we're trying to understand? Half of what I say is meaningless. But so in, in, in that analogy, Julia would be one program on this massive hard drive that has 
all of these other lives that Julia would have lived. And that by looking at the, the natal chart of Julia, you could kind of see for this incarnation, what some of the karmic wounds that need to be healed or something like that, what, what some of the influences are to why she behaves in certain ways, yeah, why she's well, drawn to certain things. And that part of that would be an intention from what you were saying earlier to have this metaphysical collaboration with her son that she, she died before she could do that in this life. But so she did it from beyond the veil by providing inspiration to him, which might've been the intention all along. Mm. But one of the things that we might get tripped up in is the idea um, of soul growth. Mm. My view, it's more like ego growth. Yeah. And within the context of a soul journey, you can use that language. But to me, the work of successive incarnations is about maturation of the personality of the emotional body, the incarnated personality. Yes. Is that our work is, is about maturation. Mm. Um, healing emotional issues, um, healing issues around uh, things that are psychological. And, and then that sets up the karma um, that we have to address. To me, the moon is our less mature self. It's um, attachments, uh, defense mechanisms, the initial construction of a separate self um, biologically. Uh, how we organize the separate self away from spiritual oneness and all of that more enlightened awareness. We start out uh, immature and unconscious and in a spiritual childhood, uh, everything starts out less conscious and mature. You have a puppy becomes a dog. You've got an infant becomes an elder. You've got the baby carrot becomes the grown-up character, so to speak, everything that's alive is growing. So we all begin, you know, immature and unconscious, and that's just the way of it. There's nothing. There's no judgment. It's beautiful. And then, so we're en- enrolled in this epic process of maturation, and so it has to do with the egoic personality system is maturing. And then, should we mature, we might reach what we might call the spiritual adulthood which is the more realized flowering. You know, the acorn grows into the tree and then we branch out and we have fruits that become ripe and available. And that to me has a lot to do with the realization of our soul intentions. So Mm. we're awakening into an expression of the soul, but we all begin much more initially identified in the physical, in the emotional, even in the intellectual, in the separate self. And so the spiritual work is about maturing egoic things. Um, where, where a lot of times you hear wounded soul, soul growth. I think it's more wounded ego and ego growth to reach yeah. soul realization. Yeah, I, 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 I like that way of looking at it. Um, but I, I want to restate it a little bit, make sure that I'm following you. Um, that that whatever a soul or an oversoul is, it's not something that really needs growth. It's not something that really gets wounded, but it, it, it could have an intention and there could be soul contracts yes. where, where the, the incarnation has certain conditions, certain obstacles, maybe certain challenges, certain proclivities yeah. that, that start sure. off as immature and then are, are providing opportunities throughout life to reach this spiritual maturation point. Agreed. And I, yeah. and I think I, 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 one of the reasons I like it is because when I look at the trajectory of John Lennon's life and I see all of the turmoil that he had as, as a child, like ages three, four, and five, going back yeah. and forth between Julia and Alf and not really having anything stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he does start, reestablishing his relationship with Julia. He's got a good couple of years with her from like 14 to 17 or maybe 13 to 17, something like that. And then boom, she's gone in this tragic way. And he, it it makes him bitter, makes him cynical. And he struggles with that for a long time. But by, by the end of his life, 
he's become this house husband. He's, he's, it seems to me like he's reached that spiritual maturation point. He's, he's learned how to let go of that bitterness and anger and pain yeah, and that's really the beauty of it. embrace being a dad. And, and exactly. John grew, uh, you know, amazingly uh, yeah. throughout his, his lifetime. Um, yeah. I mean, just to back up, I also want to make another point here. Uh, when I talk about the ego, uh, which is aligned with the personality system. Um, so often in spiritual discourse, people look at this negatively. Yeah. And that's not my view at all. I agree. Me too. Yeah. You know, it's just the, you know, the ego personality system is just the structure for the separate self to be able to exist. And there's, it's not positive or negative. And my prayer is that people stop judging things of an egoic nature as negative yeah. or a problem, or we have to get beyond our ego. I don't agree with that. That's like saying you need to get beyond having a body. Right. It's, it's not the <laughs> ego or the personality or the body that is the issue. It's the over-attachment to those things at the exclusion of a more awake or realized or enlightened, um, you know, level of consciousness. Um, so ego is not the problem. It's the attachment to ego that is. Yeah. Same thing with the body. Having yeah. a body is not a problem. But if you are overly attached to your physicality and the mundane world and things that are earthy at the exclusion of the other levels, that's the problem. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up that distinction. Did, did I ever tell you about my, uh, my ayahuasca experience where I had this struggle with the ego and then I had, like, I just had this really big struggle and finally I came through it into this like really peaceful place. And the first thing that I heard was like my own self talking to me going, okay, what was that struggle all about? What was that about? It's like, well, I don't want to die. I don't want ego death. I don't want to become irrelevant. I don't want to be wiped off the face of the earth, you know? And, and the response was, this isn't a, a death. This is a marriage. This is a like joining <laughs> this, this is being more supple, being more flexible, which I think speaks to what you were saying about not being so attached. It's like, don't, so, so what I came out of it was exactly what you just described. Don't think of the ego as being this horrible thing that you have to die and put away. I mean, that's it. You can't. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, it's necessary to bridge worlds. Yeah. If you're going to bridge heaven to earth, you got to be able to be on the earth. Yeah. To be in it. separation right. consciousness and have a functional body. Yeah. Mind system. Unless, of course, you have a soul contract to have your son be on the earth and you can be behind the scenes whispering lyrics into his ear to come up with <laughs> across the universe. <laughs> Let me whisper in your ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say the words you long to hear. I'm in love with you. Well, in fact, that's funny. That's um, that song. Do you yeah. want to know the secret? Yeah. Um, Not to tell. Interesting that that just came up because uh, George ends up singing that song, um, but John wrote it. And that is an amazing a little side note here because that song, um, Do You Want to Know a Secret, is inspired by a Disney, yeah. I think it's Snow White. Want to know a secret? And I mentioned this in the book is that Julia would sing that song to John and that song itself talks about dreaming and, dreaming and we'll discover each other in dream time, which is the overarching theme. And so in my research, I see it everywhere. And that song is one example of it. And then also, and this is where it gets interesting is we talked about the arc of awakening where things rise up, peak and come down, but there's parallels at the same elevation. Yeah. Well, do you want to know a secret? 
has the same, it was rising early on, is at the same elevation as let it be at the end, which is where Paul talks about the muse whispering. He uses the word whisper specifically, whisper words of wisdom in let it be, reflecting the whisper of do you want to know a secret in the rising motion. Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned these, these graphs and things being a, at a midpoint. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to when the book comes out so that we can have these visualizations. Maybe now's a good time to talk. What, what is your plan for when the book comes out? Well, we're recording this in early March. And if I can continue to get my act together and, <laughs> and get the final pieces done, it should come out in May. Yeah. Well, maybe Julie will help you with that as well. Well, maybe. <laughs> or Mary. Or Mary. Or both of them. Actually, yeah. Uh, Mary has a whole other thing. We haven't even talked about that. But yeah. uh, Mary, in some ways, um, yeah. is the more mature soul. Julie is more youthful, a little bit more unpredictable, unsettled, more work at the egoic level to kind of mature and heal. Yeah. Mary McCartney was quite different. Mary McCartney, in my view, is kind of almost, I, I almost consider her the, the orchestrator of this whole thing from wow. the soul level. Yeah. Uh, Mary's a mature soul. Yeah. And, uh, and her connection with Paul is quite different than uh, Julie and John. Yeah. Um, well, Julie and John had such a, such a strange relationship well i mean she's got that moon pluto uh square which can act out you know unconsciously also i'm looking at her chart right now just put it up um she's got a uranian streak just like john which is more wild more rule breaking more unconventional um it's just more wild kind of energy so she does have that in her chart and she has that regarding uh maternal issues too. Uh, she's got Ceres, which goes with mothering. She's got that not only in Aquarius, but conjunct Uranus, which, um, you know, encapsulates what we're speaking about. Um, things that are different, unconventional, rule-breaking, um, maybe even erratic. Um, and she was, she was, you know, um, she didn't provide a continuity of nurturance. And John's core issue in his chart with his Aquarius moon was to work through this. And this, again, this is all at the egoic level uh, to heal stuff. And so they were an energetic match. And my view is that they did mature and heal and did the high end of Aquarius, which is striking metaphysical perspectives and insight. And in Julia's chart to specifically put it into poetry. And so they matured. So we're talking about things in the early years and in the 40s and 50s when everything was playing out very immaturely. But then when John grew, he matured in the 60s. I believe that they realized more of the intentions for the mature gifts. Yeah. And in fact, I do think from my research and what I've seen astrologically, particularly Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but these other songs too, including Across the Universe, Day in the Life, Tomorrow Never Knows, especially. This is some of the most brilliant stuff I've ever seen in my entire life in any way. And just to write about some of these songs and what's going on metaphysically and what the lyrics are suggesting, it is the most mind-blowing, incredible stuff that I've ever seen ever. And it's very Aquarian. It's multidimensional. It is inspired. It points to things, including astrology, um, that are incredibly far-reaching. Um, and so there you have it, is messages from across the universe yeah. that are coming directly into the music. So they transformed this, this um, nurturing energy, uh, moon, uh, from being erratic and being um, unstable. Um, they're able to tame that and cultivate the gifts within this archetype called Aquarius. And it's staggering what, what happened here, actually, in my view. What, what is Jai Guru Deva?
uh, Sanskrit. That is, uh, and it's it, so it's it's Jai Guru Deva Om, right? Yeah. And then is Om like a, a symbol for divinity for God? Yeah, Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. The song continues with the Sanskrit line Jai Guru Deva Om. One interpretation is quote Glory to the shining remover of darkness, mm-hmm. a sentiment consistent with spiritual awakening. So that's a interpretation I found. I think that you can find that on the Wikipedia page. I think that's where it's also mentioned. Yeah. The remover of darkness. And then Across the Universe is a solar song. And all the solar songs bring profound teachings. And this one is images of broken light, which dance before me like a million eyes. And then there's also... um, Limitless undying love, which shines, there's a solar word, around me like a million suns. And so what these point to is the uh, dance of duality and oneness. And so this is how we more or less connect. We bridge spirit through our interconnectedness, through the realization that we're all connecting through awareness, light, and we're all connecting through emotion, love. I like to think, and wh- whether this, I'm just making this up or not, I, I like to think that in this moment of darkness and, and where he's distraught, that Julie is saying, here, let me take that darkness away from you, whatever that Jai Guru Deva Om <laughs> phrase yeah. is. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a comforting. It's like a mother would take her child and say, there, there, it's, it's okay. Here, let me take, let me take this pain. Yeah, I agree here. completely. You know, I absolutely think that is accurate. You know, her, her mature expression of her chart was to realize uh, specifically be, becoming a metaphysically oriented writer who is uh, a poet. And in fact, for the Across the Universe section of the book, I actually titled that uh, the heading is Julia's Poetry. All right, so let's let's wrap this one up, Eric. And I, I think that the last thing I'd like to hear you talk about is for, for, for a listener of this podcast or a reader of your book, what, what would you want them to take away? Like what, what kind of lessons that they could apply in their life that could make their life better, their, their egoic journey from immaturity to maturity? What, what aspects of this story um, would you want them to, to focus on? Well, I think the implication, and it's not just through the spiritual dimension of the Beatles, of course, there's many other teachings or books or traditions that might give you the same thing. But the implication is that we're held within a far broader matrix of interconnected meaning. And there is wisdom and possibly, probably uh, intention uh, to what is actually unfolding, whether our personalities like it or not. Um, we are involved in a curriculum of spiritual awakening and of development. And the things that happen are our lessons. Is that instead of looking at everything as good or bad, we might look at it as what am I learning here? How is this part of my growth? Because one of the real beautiful things is that within tragedy, um, there can be buried treasures. And what this book shows you is that what happened was tragic for both John and Paul when they were kids. Devastating, tragic, and that's not to be minimized at the personality level. It was horrific. And at the same time, when we work through it, when we mature, there can be hidden treasures in that, maybe even diamonds is what I write in the Lucy in the Sky with diamonds section, yeah. because that to me is the ultimate transformation of something tragic to something incredibly rich and valuable with a profound message. And so that's what I encourage people to take away. 
is that there are other dimensions that we may not know about. There is hidden value in everything. And we need to be open to the mystery of things because if we are, then we can tune into it and partner with it. And that's exactly what John and Paul did to collaborate on some of the most inspired, most influential, and I believe some of the best music ever created is by being able to mature spiritually and to trust life and to be uh, attuned to what the universe might be whispering to us. Nice. All right. And I look forward to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, we're going to do a whole show on that one in detail. Um, I will say that that is perhaps the most mind-blowing um, song and analysis in the entire book is what Julia, I believe, what Julia and John did for that is the peak of their brilliance together, which is in contrast to what many people think. Oh, it was just John being on acid and writing incoherently, you know, being, you know, completely wasted. That's not at all what was happening with that song. <laughs> it is far more intentional and profound than that, I assure you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> we were talking about the spiritual dimension of the Beatles. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles podcast with Eric Myers and me, Glenn Ostland. If you like what you just heard, please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review for us on iTunes. You can also like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Look for Eric's book, The Spiritual Dimension of the Beatles, coming sometime in early 2021. And while you're waiting, why not go check out my book, Bathing with God, which is available on Amazon.com. Or you could go listen to my other really great podcast, also called Bathing with God. And hey, if you've got a question that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, find us at our Facebook page or simply email us at spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. That's spiritualbeetles at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, because in the end, the love you take is equal... You know the rest. Oh.